Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and their favorite jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview composer, arranger, guitar player from Baltimore, Maryland, Ari O'Neill. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange. Today we have Ari. 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 Third time to charm. <laughs> O'Neill with us. Man. Hey. Hey. Thank you for joining us. Could you introduce yourself, and then we'll get into the interview. Um, I'm Ari. I'm from DC. Um, my full name is Ariel, but people don't really say it right, so I tell them to call me Ari. And then it just stuck. I play guitar. Um, Fender is my favorite. I love good music. That's a fair one. And just, you know, I already screwed up your name, so it's all good. So (laughs) how did you get into guitar? What made you start? Pick up the pieces by the average white band. That's what made me start. I heard it in the car uh, while... um, I was riding in the back. My mom was driving us. And at the time, we had just lost our house. And we had to live with our grandmother. Our dad had to work at an auto shop where he also lived for three years trying to get us a house. And it was a lot of tension because my grandparents didn't really like my dad for some things that, you know, parents worry about. And my mom is... She's very strong. So it was a lot of tension surrounding us as children. And that song was amazing. Uh, and the rhythm guitar really stuck out to me. And I remember thinking about it like, man, like, this is this is amazing. And I remember just for a split second, like, just feeling so happy listening to it. And originally, I wanted to play cello because my grandmother loved classical music. But they didn't have cello at Music and Arts Center. So my sister was already playing guitar. So I thought about that song. I was like, yeah, I'll do it too. And she quit after like two weeks and I just kept going. That's a lot. Okay. (laughs) But pick up the pieces. So what's even the sax solo that caught you? Was the strumming of the second guitar? You know what was so amazing? And I just think the simplicity of it. it, that's it the whole song he did not move <laughs> and it was just so amazing to me that it's, it's still like listen to the whole song it didn't move and it was amazing but then you'll listen to people who just do everything and it doesn't hit you as well it's impressive but it doesn't hit you he did not move from that spot and it was just it felt good so he stayed there and that resonates a lot with me okay May I ask what your, so your father was a mechanic engineer. What was your mother doing? Was she, did you have a specific trait? Well, my mom got her master's degree in, I think, computer technology. And she was working at a couple of con- uh, uh, companies. I think one was like Discovery Channel, but she got laid off twice. So then she just ended up homeschooling us. And there was one point where she tried to open her own business, but then that went left. So then she focused on us full time. Understood. Okay, so you pick up the guitar, and was it instant, I love this thing, or was it, and then, okay. Instant, and I got lucky because my grandmother played piano beautifully, and she was a singer. She was so talented, and she could read music. So even though she didn't play guitar, it's like she was so helped me with reading and with my music, and even though she wasn't a guitar player, she could tell by the way I was playing my scales. Like, oh, that doesn't look right. I don't think your technique is right. And she's a piano player. And we would sit there and talk and practice for hours. And then my uncle was a saxophone player. And I would just listen to him. And he would tell me to bring out my guitar. So we came from either musicians or dancers. My dad, back in the Virgin Islands, was in a reggae band. Like, we love good music. <laughs> what did he play? What can I play? And what did he play? Oh, he sang. Oh, he's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you go from the art center, and what's your next move after that? Mm. 
my grandmother didn't like my teacher because he wasn't teaching me how to read. So then they made me stop going uh, because they wanted to find something better. So for a couple of years, I was doing my own thing. And then we have something here in the DMV called the Levine School of Music. They have four campuses. And I ended up working there after college. But when I was like 14, 13, 14, went there. Um, and we got in touch with Walter Cosby. He's a bass player from D.C. Incredible. Me and my little sister. My little sister started playing bass and I was playing guitar. And we got into their jazz program. And we had to be on like this kind of assistance because we couldn't afford it. And from there, the jazz program had ties to Juilliard's jazz program. So Ron and them. And it, it was crazy. Yes. Yeah. So we ended up doing a, um, a little summer clinic where they would teach us for like five days, just in the middle of nowhere, just music, it was music, music, music all the time. And then I ended up doing the Kennedy Center with them and one other kid. It was amazing. So, so you yeah. performed at the Kennedy Center? Uh, yeah. Okay. The Kennedy Center with some of the Juilliard students. And then there was this one guy, I forget his name. He opened up his own school, Snow, Snow something. Um, he was a Juilliard student too. And to perform with him was like, oh shit, like this is like, and I'm a teenager, like, bro, it was amazing. Okay, so why didn't you apply to Juilliard? What made you choose your university? Oh, I didn't get in. So, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't get in. Yeah, no. Let me tell you something. I started playing in the club when I was 14. I snuck in there, and then I would play in church. I auditioned for the jazz program at Maryland, and they told me I'd be better off at Howard, and they didn't let me in. Yeah. Ouch. Uh, Howard Music? Mm-hmm. Like, they were trying to make it seem like Howard was kind of, like, lower than Maryland's program, so I'd be better off there. Yeah, it was bad. And I'm not going to call out the guy because he was he was one of the heads of the jazz department at the time, but it was kind of kind of fucked up. But they, the school <laughs> ended up doing an article about me after I did Coachella, so I ain't even worried about it. It's cool. I would love to go back to school, though. Wait, you don't have your bachelor's? Well, I do, but it's in theater. I was a theater major. You were a theater major who played yeah, the guitar. So, yeah, so guitar had nothing. So I graduated high school when I was 15. Started community college when I was 16, and I was doing theater. But I was really in love with math. So I said, I'll get into Maryland doing theater, and then I'll do math. But then I did math, and I hated it. Then I did communications, and I hated it. And then I just stuck with theater, and I was like, you know... This is my thing because I was homeschooled. I was weird. Like theater is like teaching me I can be anybody that I want to be. I can put on this persona. And I credit that for how I perform today. But as far as music, no, they tell me, turn my ass around. You cannot join this program. So I didn't. And I just kept going to the club and doing church. Okay. So now uh, you got to walk me through the next step now. So you finished at Maryland, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. What was the next step in your life then? So then I graduate. I have no money. I have eight siblings. So it's nine of us. Same Uh, mom, same dad. What number are you? Two. You're the second oldest? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, keep going. (laughs) So I couldn't go back home. So it was a period where nobody really knew, but I was like low-key homeless. So I would like sleep on, I was like couch surfing. And then sometimes I would sleep in my car. And then it got so bad to the point where I broke down. And one of the girls I was in the band with, or one of the older, she was older and she let me stay at her house. But while I was in school, I started playing with a go-go band called Belladonna. So that was like my main gig. And then from the help of people at Levine, I ended up getting a front desk job at Levine School of Music, but then I would volunteer and teach at their Southeast campus on Saturdays. Then I would teach on my own, play in church, and then I was a part of an agency band too. So I was working like seven days a week. Just playing, playing, playing everywhere. Okay. I mean, you're pretty much walking me through your story at this point. It's very un. This is different. 
So what happened next? <laughs> so then at this point, because in school, even though I didn't get in the program, they had like a black jazz program. So that was where all the rejects went. So I ended up doing that. But the guy who was leading the program, and I think he passed away a few years ago, but he was so incredible. I'm like, why is he not like teaching? Like he should be teaching here. But I learned a lot from that. Then I ended up joining a jazz band while I was in school too, called Refresh Band. So dumb. But they were so amazing. They were all music majors over at Eastern Shore. And I was the only one who wasn't. So I was learning a lot from them. Um, yeah, so I was playing all around D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. Ended up going to some other band. And Derek Dixie, Beyonce's music director, saw a video of me playing in the club. And they needed another girl to do Coachella. So I'm out in New York with the agency band playing at a wedding. And I get a DM from Derek Dixie. And I think it's a joke. I've been ignoring him this whole time because I didn't know who he was. Like, I'm like, what's this nigga talking about? <laughs> Park, what, what, what is Parkwood? But then I looked it up like, oh, Parkwood, dummy. Like, that's Beyonce's company. And my sister was the one who actually hooked it all up for me. Got on the phone with him. He asked me to play a couple of Beyonce songs. He liked it. Flew me out to L.A. And then I did Coachella. Well, that Coachella, assuming it's the one I'm thinking of, with the HBCU theme, pretty much? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. One of the best visual performances i ever seen. So literally, they just DM you, fly you out, and now you're performing for... One of the biggest acts of the past 10 years. Well, here's the thing. So he had DM'd me on some other social medias, but I don't check my messages. So when he DM'd me on Instagram, that was his last attempt before he gave up. And my sister is the one who caught it because I had just asked her to do it. Because I don't, I don't check my messages. Um, and then when we went out to rehearsal, he pretty much told me, because we were there for two weeks. I'm like, yeah, you know, we want you to come back. But just know that I look at these videos a lot. Like, clearly you found my ass. In the- <laughs> I'm in D.C. You're all the way in California. I'm nobody at this point. And he was just saying, like, you need to stay on your stuff because, you know, that's what he does. Pr- insinuating that there are other girls out there. So either you stay on your shit and you keep the shop or you fall by the wayside and another girl will have your spot. And for months, I was working my ass off day and night. And it was worth it. It developed who I am as a player. Okay, okay. So you still technically at this point had no formal training. No. You didn't have a former teacher, it seems, ever. No. You get a DM. You fly you out because they like how you play. They tell you the songs. You're performing... With Beyonce. And they just pretty much say, stay in line. Not stay in line, but just don't get comfortable. Okay, don't get comfortable. I mean, you already won, in my opinion, that far, but okay. (laughs) That's very different. (laughs) What were you expecting? You keep saying that. I mean, we hear different stories on this thing. I heard we had some people who said I wasn't getting any gigs. So I got in my car with my band and we just drove around the country playing everywhere. I have stories Mm -hmm. of people saying I got. And then all of a sudden I decided to get do this and it worked out for me. Mm -hmm. I had a guy who said that, oh, I like the accordion. I went to Paris and I said, I'm going to go to a jam session. And that's how he plays jazz on the accordion. That's hot. Oh no, he's his album's sick, <laughs> but yeah. Okay, but that's good. So you do that performance, well received. I remember that well. I believe it's still on Netflix. So what happens mm-hmm. after that? After that, I get a call from Adam Blackstone to do Normani for um, what's Jay Z's label? Rockefeller? 
Rockefeller, whatever that performance is in New York that they have for all like Meek, the Rockefeller people, like Meek Mill and all of them, like it was that performance. But I was still title. That's what it okay, was. Okay, title performance, title. yes. So at the time, we had just finished a Europe with Beyonce, about to start the American leg, but we had a gap in between. So during that gap, started that was my first performance with Normani. And that's how I met Terrence Vaughn and Adam Blackstone from BBE. And it went well. So now, after Beyonce, they called me back to do the Normani tour, open it up for Ariana Grande. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. That I did not know about also. So you open up for her. Mm -hmm. And then from there, did Alicia Keys. Um... Well, at least Keith and Miguel, because they had a song out together. All of this was through Adam. And then we did Fantasia with uh, Miss Kim. Miss Kim was Beyonce's, one of Beyonce's first music directors. And Miss Kim needed an all-girl band, so she called some of the girls from Beyonce. And then, uh, like, Tracy on keys. Uh, and we did Fantasia from there. Okay. I'm just curious though. So, your favorite Alicia Keys song, your favorite Fantasia song to perform with them? Well, with the Alicia Keys song, we only did Show Me Love. Okay. And that's the song we did with Miguel. But because I was with Adam Black, so I was like, that's my favorite. <laughs> I love playing with Adam. Like, he's just so tasteful. Uh, and then for Beyonce. Resentment was my favorite song because it was just me or her. Oh, okay. I saw her perform mm-hmm. in person at that, what's it called? The On The Run. I mm. went there. Yes. So Simone, the other guitar, Simone did that. Simone, she's so dope. I love Simone. Yeah, but that was a very visual concert. I liked it. Mm-hmm. She went and performed with her husband for people who don't know. And they did a good two and a half hours. Can't complain about that. And Chloe and uh, what's the other sister's name also performed. And she froze okay. again. <laughs> I'm connected to the Wi-Fi, so I don't know what the problem is. It's your Wi-Fi. Do you have a cricket? <laughs> no, I have Verizon. Okay. I'm going to get in trouble <laughs> from Verizon. Great. But <laughs> uh, what's Chloe's sister? Name Hallie. Hallie. Okay, so it was Chloe and Hallie also performed in that Beyonce thing when I was there. Okay, they were so sweet. Love them. Okay, so you're like living the dream, especially in the R and B world. Uh, so, what happened after Blackston, Alicia Keys? Anything? Honestly, I have to check my Instagram because I've performed with so many people just off of. Derek Dixie. So Derek Dixie took a chance on me because of Eric Walls. He saw my video and he asked Eric, do you think she'll be able to do this? And Eric Walls was like, hell yeah, she could do this. That's the only... And I, I fuck with Eric so hard because he did not even know me. He didn't even know me and he gave me that chance. And if it wasn't for Eric and Derek, son. So after that... A lot of the work that I've done has been through BBE at a Blackstone's company. So I perform with at least 20 people. Okay. And then anybody... One question. Where was this video that blew up for you? Where did you post this? I was on my Instagram and on my Facebook. So I have four viral videos before I got that call. But it's only because it was visual. So any of the jazz stuff, me playing like Donna Lee or any kind of standard, it would get like hundreds of views. But then when I was on the floor or playing like a solo for like Prince or something and like whipping my hair and standing on bar tables, millions, hundreds of thousands. Like I think the one that I have that has the most views, I was in like bar seven in DC and it has like 4 million views of me just playing a power chord and just whipping my hair. Okay. All you jazz people take note, you see? You guys are doing it wrong. Because <laughs> I'm like, I have, 
all this great music on my Facebook, on my Instagram, and this is what is going viral. Got it. Okay. It's working for you. I can't knock it. Nice. I mean, it's working, but I have, I still have, a like, even now, okay, so I did a show with Thaddeus Tribbett, Larry, and Spain. Like, probably one of the most fun gigs I've done. Like, these are my idols. Playing a solo, like, really playing my ass off, and it gets, like, a thousand views. I posted a video last night of me at dinner at Valentine's Day, 4,000 views in two hours. I, wow, I, <laughs> I'm literally giving it to you, and nobody cares. Nobody cares. Okay, why do you think that is? You think social media? I mean, I know. I know why, but I'm not mad at it. Because on top of the fact that it's a visual thing, I can't play. So it's like, okay, there's a situation going on right now with this girl who's <laughs> okay, I can't say too much, but she also plays guitar. It's a couple of girls. And they are beautiful, but they slow rehearsal down because they can't, they can't keep up. They don't know anything about music. They don't know anything about live shows. It's kind of like you're just playing. You're not listening to anybody. You're not listening for changes or listening for people who maybe they, it's this one section where they embellish a little bit. Shut up. (laughs) But it's other girls who look good and they can't play. They can't stay in the pocket. Not, not just, they just can't fucking play. Like, you can't. <laughs> it's not even, they, I'm sure they don't even know what a pocket is. <laughs> That's one thing I will promise. I'll get the job done. I'm trying to be nice and you're just, yeah, I know. It's good. I like the confidence. No, you're a little shady, but it's cool though. <laughs> you're a little shady. Don't give yourself that much mercy. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. Because I pulled it up as you were saying that because you said you played for like 20 different people. Yeah, she did play for like 20 different people. I'm going to ask about one that I'm a big fan of. So Kevin Ross. You're a big fan of Kevin Ross? Yes. I don't know people like still like... He writes, he sings, he performs. I'm not knocking him. I just didn't know as many people knew him. Oh, okay. Long Song Array. Great song. I love it. Don't go. God must be a genius. And off the top of my head, uh, what's that? A prototype. There you go. Oh, see, so you, you okay? Top four right there. Yeah, he's really good. He went to where did he go? Berkeley or something? Uh, not sure. <laughs> he went to school for that. He's really good though. Very talented and a nice guy. Your experience working with him? Anything out of honor? Anything you're willing to share? Anything out of the ordinary, no, but I could tell that he was he was a musician. Like, there are some people that I work with, like, okay, I did this one, every rap gig, pretty much. I did a rap gig with St. John, and it's like, oh, yeah, um, so I just want you to feel it and make it sound like Rocky, and yeah. So I was like, mm. <laughs> okay, and then I just do something like, yeah, yeah, keep doing that, but, like, more rock. Whereas I'm working with Kevin Ross and he's like, yeah, so this, this, and this, um, you can go off here, play. I'm going to do this here. I'm going to do that. It's like very, I understand you. Like it's very clear. Whereas with other people it's not as clear. Mm-hmm. Kevin Ross, he's very clear because he knows what he's doing. Yes. And add on that. I, after university, I did a gig for a well-known rapper and mm-hmm. I was really disappointed because that's pretty much what happened. And mm-hmm. as much as I love rap, I mean, I love it. And there's some people, like, you put uh-huh. their stuff on, I be jamming to it, like, hard. But I can't really call it music because of reasons like that. Why? Well, I'm not saying all that. I love rap music. I love and it, too. Even after that, I would still call it music because it is. Just because it's not as organized doesn't make it, you know, not music. It's music. And it's still fun. And I will say the one thing I do like about it is with a lot of these big gigs, like the really, really big gigs, because of how many people are there and how many musicians are there and the lines and hits and stuff, you kind of, there are only little pockets of where you get to do what you want to do. 
Whereas a rap, they don't know what the fuck going on anyway. So you can do what you want. You could try things out. Like, and it pays well. Like, they're going to be so chill. So even if you try something, it's just, it's more open for you to try things. I like that. You're awesome. Okay, but back to what we were... <laughs> Something like that. That's something I make fun of, at least of the jazz world on this podcast. So you got cats. Are you who- like one of those jazz people who's like, if it's not in the real book, it's not jazz? No, I have a friend like I'm the complete opposite of that. What are you? What what am I what are we dealing with? Right I mean, now? I could tell you about so first of all, I interview people literally from all over the world, all different styles. Okay. Okay. I mean, the last episode. Or the episode before that was a free jazz player. Then I had a Brazilian vocalist piano player. Then I had someone from New Zealand. Then I had the accordion jazz player from England. But these are all like jazz players. A uh, good amount of them are straight ahead. The ones that you mentioned. No, I mean, those guys, yes. I would say those are jazz, yes. Do I have other okay. people who came on in the past that were not strictly jazz? That were more R&B, pop music and all that stuff? Yes. So they're not strictly jazz, but they did jazz. Yes. You know, I haven't played jazz in like, I'll give it like five years. I mean, if you're playing with these people, I don't blame you. <laughs> okay, just checking to make sure you know who you're talking to. I know who you're talking to. I love jazz, and that's where I started, but I'm not doing that. <laughs> Why aren't you doing that? Now I gotta ask that. Because I'm not in that world. And I noticed, like, especially in New York, and those little, like, bougie-ass people who go to the schools and stuff. Don't get me wrong, I'm jealous. I wish I could have gone. Now, I wish I could be one of those bougie-ass people. But it's so cliquish. And even some of my friends who went to, um, what is it, new school? Yeah, the new school? Okay. Killing, torch, like, doing huge gigs. And then they'll get hated on by these little kids whose mommies and daddies pay for them to go to school and they're just the true jazz people playing in New York and they're playing real music, but it's like this girl over here can play real music too, but she's making real money. (laughs) Like, don't get me wrong. I would love to get back in that world. I would love to play jazz. I would love to play like R&B, R&B, like from this, not even 90s, like 70s. 80s. I would love to like really play, but the fact of the matter is, I'm not playing in some lounge anymore where I have to choose or I can't choose what I want to do. I remember playing in lounges, clubs, church five times, six times a week. Like, bro, (laughs) if you had the choice, I'm sure you would pick the same thing, but because you didn't get offered the same opportunity, you hating on her, but she can play the same shit you're playing. I speechless. That's like what I mean. <laughs> I just hate the judgment. Like, don't we want to play this stuff? Don't get me wrong, but we also want to pay a bill. I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of elitists in the jazz world. I could agree on that. Mm-hmm. We had a lot. It's of, very clear. No, Are you in the clique? I'm not really in the clique, but I know a great amount of people in the clique. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay, and I do agree with you with the lounges and stuff. Like, do you want to go back to performing in front of 300 people when you were performing in front of 70,000? No, I do. Like, I still do. I still perform in D.C., but it's because I want to, not because I have to. Wow, that's like a back slap. I I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I did it for years where I I had to play in these lounges because I had to pay my bills. There were some nights I was like, fuck, my my fingers hurt. (laughs) I want to lay down and watch Netflix tonight, but I can't because my car note is due. Now I'm at a point where it's like, okay, I, my homies are playing. I want to play in this lounge. You only got $100? Shit, I'm down. Let's go. It's nice to have the option is all. Okay, so what would you change in the music world if you could? What would I change in the music world? Or let me be more specific. So what would you tell someone that is just about to graduate from the music world? And what do you think they expect? I think they expect that they know all this music and they just know so much. And, you know, everybody's just going to appreciate this degree that you have and appreciate that you practice. And they're just going to appreciate that 
you just know all these musical people and you're just so educated. Nobody gives a fuck. The question is, can you get the job done? Period. Whatever that job is. If you're playing with Snarky Puppy and them, can you get these lines, these hits? Can you learn all of this music? If you are playing with Beyonce, can you get these lines, these hits? And can you shake your ass? Do you look good? It does not matter what you look at. Can you dance? Are you entertaining? No, you can't come. Do everything that you can to get. The answer is always yes. Fine. I don't care how. You mean every gig that comes across, you're going to take? In the beginning, yes. I did the same thing. Every single... There's a song that I have out with 7th Street that I have no credit for because this nigga totally cut me out. He made it seem like I was coming in there just to lay down some stuff. Ended up using it for a song for her like two, three years later. And it was a radio hit. Am I allowed to ask the song because I like 7th Streeter? No. I'm off, not going to tell you. Off the air, could you tell me? Please. I'll tell you off the air. You're the best. Okay. <laughs> but I did, I did the song after a gig, like a gig that I thought I was getting paid for it. After the gig, he told me, oh yeah, by the way, you're not getting paid because he was mad. Didn't pay none of us and stole the money. And I still went to Baltimore. Baltimore is an hour and a half away from me. At 11 o'clock at night, and stayed till four o'clock in the morning just to get up at nine to be back at Levine. The answer is always yes. Because you never know. That night where I was at the club, I didn't know that video was going to go viral. But it did. And it was random as hell. And look at what I get to do now. The answer is always yes. Wow. Okay. So, Afropunk. Were you performing with SZA at that time or no? Because that's like the only time I saw her perform. When was Afropunk? Because we did last year. That was my first time performing with her last no, year. This was, no, this was like, I want to say 2018. So no. I know her Her bass player, uh, Carter, who has been with her up until last year, he was probably there. Um, uh, he does all of her records. He's her producer. Okay. This, but yeah. I, I've heard of them. I was watching their stuff when I was learning her stuff. Okay. Why do you ask me that? I'm a big fan of her. Dang, you're, I'm looking at it now since you said that. And it's like all these R&B people I love to listen to. Really? Wait, when was when was Afropunk? The, sh- the one you're talking about? I believe it was 2018. Yeah, that was Carter and them. Those are like her friends' friends. They've been with her since the beginning. Mm-hmm. From her first album. Yeah. Yes, for the people listening, those are my two big things, jazz and R&B. I try to listen to every single thing that comes out. Really practically impossible, but yes. And, I mean, you have a lot of, you have a completely different take than the people who normally come on, and I'm enjoying it, but... Why? What do they say? No, I'm curious. It's just different. Some people are being PC. I understand. PC? Why? we're musicians. We're, we're like the most non-PC niggas out here. What are you talking about? I mean, there, there are people that are going to be shocked that you're dropping the N-bomb so much. Oh, really? Wow. I mean, that's yeah. who you are. So, you know what? I'm not going to tell you to change yourself. I mean, I, I, I didn't know who we were talking to or what was going on. You know what I mean? You didn't even listen, look at who was on the podcast before. <laughs> No, my homegirl told me that this is what we'd be doing, or she told me that she was cool with you. So I'm like, okay, well then, yeah, I'll be here. Okay, that works. <laughs> we have a mutual. I don't really do interviews like that anymore. I don't really do interviews like that anymore because she told me that you're cool and you're her friend. That's why I'm doing this. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how did Corona affect you? Man, okay, so. All the live performances, they were like, hell no. Nah. We were going to do Houston Rodeo with Lizzo. And the day before the performance, it got canceled. So all our shit got canceled. And then it went from doing that stuff to recording. Now, I was still doing virtual stuff, like lessons and stuff. But with Fender this time. Fender, I will always use their guitars. Because they're like a family and through the whole pandemic, they kept throwing work my way Oh, okay. and they didn't have, 
they didn't have to do that. <laughs> they were throwing work my way. Uh, Elmo from Jam Cart throwing work my way via Jam Cart. Like, Jam Cart and Fender got me through that year. And then Jay Deal. I don't know if you know Jay Deal. Um, no, I don't. He, he's the music director for Janet Jackson. And he did like a lot of her records and stuff. We're cool. So he ended up throwing a lot of work my way as far as recording. So he got me recording for all these different people that I didn't even know. <laughs> I didn't even know I was allowed to play for because they usually had those musicians on lock. But it was just the homies looking out. So thank God between that and then the savings that I developed from going on tour, that was fine. Okay. Do you prefer being in the studio or do you prefer performing live? It depends on who I'm in the studio with and who I'm performing with because it changes. <laughs> it changes. Could we get a story without you like your name? There be sometimes I'm in the studio and I'm like, what? What is this? <laughs> what? What are we doing? There. Okay, so it's a lot of people who go to the studio and they just vibe or whatever, but then the vibe is just not right. Or they have. I don't like going to the studio and there's extra people in there. Who are like giving their opinions, but it's like, bitch, you can't play anything. Like, you can't play anything. And you're literally, it's people who will go to the studio to try to add their input on stuff just so they can get credit. But it's like you're not, you're not, you're not even supposed to, you're supposed to be sitting down here and listening to the music. I don't like that. All the extra people in the studio trying to do stuff. And then as far as performing, there are some people who are divas and devos and it makes it uncomfortable to perform like because you got an attitude because whoever you're in a relationship with didn't call or because you didn't get the color that you wanted for your hair then all of us got to suffer for it and now you have a stink attitude while we're performing like I don't, don't want to deal with this shit so it just depends on who who I'm with fair okay mm-hmm. are you recording anything solo Anytime soon? As, as, I've done a couple of things just for fun, but no, because I just be like, what's the point? There are some people who are musicians who record solo stuff, and I'm, it doesn't do anything. And I'm like, okay, well, did they do it for fun? Or are they doing it? Like, why are you doing this? Like, if you're touring, if you have good work, why are you so pressed to be an artist? It's so much pressure. So much pressure to put stuff out and have a team and do all this stuff. I just want to chill. So I'll put up, put out stuff like singles and things here and there. But if I don't feel like doing it, I'm not doing it. I don't want that pressure. Plus, it's easier to help somebody else's dream come true because it's like you get to be a part of their vision and they got all their other stuff figured out. When it's your vision, you got to figure it out. I'm like, mm, nah, Some I'm people seem to love that, though. A dream of having their vision come true, though. Like being an artist, I, that shit is overrated. Like... It's so overrated. And then it's like you competing with everybody else for the rest of your life. Like, why not just be a part of somebody's team and help them compete? <laughs> because they want the crowd to be screaming their name. They can still scream their name. Fucking, what's his name? Oh, gosh. Isaiah Sharkey. Had the stuff he did with D'Angelo. D'Angelo even calls out his name in the song. Everybody knows Isaiah Sharkey. Like, plus, I feel like, what's his name? Travis Barker, the drummer. Yes. Okay. He made a name for himself as a drummer just by being him. You can do that. You can have people screaming your name and you're not singing nothing. And then it don't matter if you're screaming or they're screaming your name if you got credit on song. That's true. But you're also writing songs that are on the radio. So don't you think you could perform it just as well? What musician do you know? Mm Mm-hmm. From now. From now. Started out started as a musician for somebody else and is successful in being an artist on their own and has radio hits. Who? Uh Kevin. Okay. Got you. <laughs> and who? Uh off the top of my head. Uh Mm. Okay, I'll give you that. Fine. Have it. Right? I said, okay. I'm not going to argue with you on that. 
I'm just saying, like you can put out stuff for fun, but don't. I don't go into it with the expectation that it's going to be big. I go into it with the expectation that all my other friends are doing this, so now I get to have something too, so somebody can say that I did it, and it was fun. Okay. So, are you ever going to release a jazz album, like a pure straight ahead? No, because y'all are too judgy. I can't. I know if I put out a jazzy, oh, sorry, jazz. I hate that word. If I put out a jazz album, all the <laughs> new school and Juilliard people would tear my ass up. So no, I'm not. No, absolutely not. Correct. No. <laughs> they would tear my ass up. Why do you put myself through that? Actually, I should do it just to make a little set. <laughs> <laughs> They do that. Thank you. But you I know, a lot you. of the most successful jazz albums of all time were heavily criticized when they were released. But I mean, they were like jazz people. Like, don't get me wrong. Jazz was my start. I appreciate it. I love jazz. But I'm not a jazz artist. They would eat me alive. But I think I want that to happen now. Now that you said that. I love that idea. I love it. And then it'll be watch it become a classic. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, how many shows, at least before the pandemic, how many, how many shows were you doing a year roughly? Well, I was on tours, so I'd be gone for months at a time, and then in between, I would do stuff, whether it was with Fender or like artists here and there. So. I say probably like two, two hundred, maybe a little more than that a year. Two hundred shows a year, okay. Something like that. I know, not, not a big, not a big number. I know, just two hundred. I, I don't even know. So I just be going half the time. I don't even know what city we in. I'm just there. Where's the stage at? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Yeah, when you're doing that many shows, yes, I understand. People tend to forget what city they're in. They just go to sleep, wake up, roll out of bed, and go on the stage. Hello, shit. I'm just happy I'm not sleeping in my car no more. Now I'll be on your stage. I don't care where we at, okay? Okay. <laughs> so what would be your dream project, though? Since you have access to all those people, what would be your dream project? Like for myself? For yourself. You're the star. It's Miss O'Neill. Huh, period. Sponsored I by will... Fender. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, give me that. I would want an R&B album. Like, jazz R&B, kind of like what Robert Glasper does, but more R&B. Because he's like, Robert Glasper, that's a jazz musician right there. So, he got that whole circuit on lot. I would want an R&B album for today. All, not all instrumentals, because I'll probably use like a talk box with some, some of them, but instrumentals that resonate with today. Like, I want rappers to sample them. I want singers singing on my shit. Like, but it would have to be the dream team. Literally everybody from BBE, mm-hmm. all my homegirls that I rock with from... Beyonce, like Joy Venzella, like Brandy Singleton, Zuri Appleby, she plays bass like a nigga, like it's crazy. All my homegirls, all of BBE, shit, Robert, just all the big R&B people, I want them to be a part of that. It would be like a DJ Khaled album, but for musicians. (laughs) Except I actually do something. I understand, instead of yelling, (laughs) DJ yeah. No, but that's a good example you brought in because Robert, I mean, I saw him a few weeks ago when he was performing with Let Us See. He went over the songs he did. Really? Yes. How was it? Class. And he got that pulled off in Blue Note. So you know what? You're right. Maybe you should go into that more. Go that route. Hey, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. But yeah, that's a good... I like that idea. Mm-hmm. So what is the best compliment you ever received? That somebody... <laughs> actually, Dad told me this. He asked me who I was studying under. 
I said, nobody, because they didn't want me in their goddamn program. And then he was like, really? Because I thought you were like Spanky, not Spanky. Uh, I thought you were Juba's protege. And I was like, what? <laughs> you thought I was what? Oh my God. That's what did it for me. He said that last week when we were at the show, saying that he thought I was one of Juba's like kids. Bro. Okay. That was it for me. I'm gonna From have Daddy to is tripping, I'm done. You don't have to tell me how many, I mean, the names of the schools, but I want to know how many did you get rejected by? Oh, I tried that one and that was it. Oh, just one? Okay. Yeah. I just tried that one. Because I knew if I couldn't get into Maryland, I damn sure can't get into Juilliard. And then when I wanted to go to Berkeley, because I graduated when I was 15, I told my mom, and she was like, I'm too young to go anywhere, which is why I went to community college. So I just did. I'm like, all right, whatever. I'll learn on my own. If West Montgomery and them can do it, then shit, so can I. I give you that. Okay. I mean, there's not much else I would ask, but before we go, we normally like to give a shout out, show respects to artists who came before us. I'm going to tell you an instrument and just tell me who you would like to play with that plays that instrument, okay? Okay. They could be dead or alive. So on trumpet, who would it be? Hmm. Winton. Winton. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're the first person that. to say that. May I ask why? Because when I was with Levine, the first real jazz performance we got to see as teenagers was in the White House with Michelle Obama because the Obamas love jazz and they allowed our school to come and their whole family, their dad included, and some kid, some little white kid on piano, he was amazing. He was like their little protege. That He was crazy. But we got to go see them in the White House. And it was amazing to be sitting right here behind Michelle Obama, and she's like sitting there jamming. And then the all the brothers sitting up there blunt. Like, it was great. And their dad, bruh. Okay. I just remember being mesmerized by his performance. He was dope. On saxophone, who would it be? Definitely John Coltrane. I, I, that's cliche, but I would. Okay. On keys. Chick Corea. No one's going to argue with that one with you. Okay. On bass. I did that. That... Who? I did it. Thaddeus Trivet. Oh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. On drums? Oh, that's hard. Um, damn. I don't know. It's so many. I think, damn, fuck. I guess Spank, but I did that too. And Spank... I didn't know who, and this is embarrassing. I didn't know who Spank was before I met him. I, when they said Spanky, I thought they meant Spanky, like guitar. I didn't know there was another Spanky who played drums until we did the gig with Thaddeus Tribbett. So they always, oh yeah, Spanky. I'm like, ain't that nigga dead? What are you talking about? So then we pull up and he says his name is Spank. I said, oh, okay. When I tell you, he is so, he's so tasteful. Like, just and so I just love musicians who are appropriate. Like just be fucking appropriate. You hear somebody else playing, compliment that. Him, Dad. Yeah, those two are the only people I know where they can play and make you sound better. I love that. Yeah, obviously never heard me play, but it's okay. So uh guitar- Wait, what do you play? You don't know I don't know. Uh-huh. Oh, you really did look at this. <laughs> don't worry about that. Next question. On guitar. Mm, it would be between damn who <laughs> you hit me with a hard one. It would be between George Benson, West Montgomery, and Joe Pass. Okay. Can we get one out of the three or are we just gonna have to deal with those three as an answer? George. Really? George Benson? 
George Benson. Okay. Also because his story is incredible and I fuck with that. Like, we kind of have the same story where it's like we didn't get into school. He really can't read for shit. Like, <laughs> it's this one video of him on YouTube where he's trying to explain music and everybody's like, what? What are you, what are you saying? But if yeah. you keep watching it, you're like, oh, okay. But yeah, I like how he's so unconventional, but he's still like shitting on all these niggas the way he play. And he's tasteful. And he can sing. And he's like worldwide. People know his music. And he's a musician first. True. I can't mm-hmm. argue with that. Mm-hmm. And he did a really good job dipping into the smooth type jazz. And then he has a whole bunch of mainstream jazz, straight ahead jazz from before that. You're right. I give you that. There we go. Okay. So, ma'am, can you tell everyone your contact information, how to reach you, your website, anything else you want to throw in there? You Like your lessons that you were mentioning? Yeah. <laughs> you can book a mentor session with me or lessons through Jamcard. Um, or just hit me up on Instagram, duh. Ari O'Neill, A-R-I-O-N-E-A-L. Um, same thing on Instagram. Twitter. Twitter is actually my government. That's Ariel O'Neill. Yikes. Facebook, same thing. YouTube, just look at my name. I'm there. Um, I don't really know what's coming up because this panorama is crazy right now. So things are getting canceled and added at the last minute, but I'll be posting on my Instagram. So if you want to pull up to a show one day, come on. Well, ma'am, it's been great. This is a different type of interview. I personally loved it. You had me laughing. I'm trying to hold it in a lot. <laughs> wow. Okay. Cool. And every oh, don't worry. You're gonna tell me before we literally hang up, even though I'm about to end this. And everyone, this is Leander, Improv Exchange. Thank you. Have a good one. You're funny. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange.